This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. The results of a national farmer wellbeing survey came out last week and there was one finding that was particularly upsetting. 30% of farmers said they've attempted self-harm or suicide. So that's nearly one in three a really confronting statistic for an industry that we all rely on. Now, if you Google farmer mental health, there are loads of resources, heaps of helplines, lots of projects designed to help. So this morning, let's talk about what's missing. How are we going to make sure that farmers who are feeling depressed or anxious actually get the help they need? And who's responsible for doing something about it? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. I'm Bronwyn O'Shea and this hour we're going to hear from people working right in the thick of this issue this morning to see what ideas they have, including a couple of farmers who hit rock bottom themselves and have come out of that really determined to help other people. And I'd really love to hear what ideas you have on how we can turn the corner on this issue of farmer mental health. Maybe there are some initiatives that you've seen in your own workplace, in your own community that you reckon are worth sharing sharing. Um, we'd love you to share that on one three hundred triple two seven seven four. I should say one three hundred triple two seven seven four to join us or text zero four three seven 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 four seven seven four. Warren Davies is known as the unbreakable farmer. G'day Warren. G'day Bron, how are you? I'm well. That's quite a statement, isn't it? <laughs> Especially in light of what we're talking about today. So you were a dairy farmer and your mental health really did deteriorate to a point that, that you knew you needed to change things. What was going on for you at that time? Oh, look, we, I suppose it was a, a combination of a, a number of events over a, a number of years that um, saw my mental health deteriorate, but um, probably the, the, the number one thing that I didn't do was reach out for help. But, you know, we were hit by a flood and then... We had a family bust up on the farm, which had a massive impact on on my mental health and then entered into the drought then, um, you know, financially stressed, I suppose, because we'd bought my parents out of the farm. Um, so all those things just had a, you know, a, 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 I suppose yeah. a, a compacting effect on, on my mental health that saw me get to, um, yeah, some really low places. But I think the initial part was not reaching out for the help that I needed when I when I needed it the most. Why do you think you didn't do that? Uh, I think, uh, um, obviously, this conversation's been brought about by the, the, the report that was brought out into Farmer Health. And as I was reading through... Uh, farmer mental health and well-being I, I should have say um, and reading that report it was kind of like reading my own story you know and especially around that you know when people are at their lowest of lows um, you know that stigma that's attached to to reaching out about it but also that that stoicism that's you know, ingrained into the farming community where, you know, and I reading, uh, read one line in the report that just said they didn't want to burden the, the people around them. And that's how I felt at the time. I didn't want to burden my wife because, you know, we we're in the middle of the drought. She was also facing the same challenges that I was facing and, and, and so were my neighbours. So where, where was I meant to turn to? That was, you know, a, a hard thing and a hard place to find, you know, that help at that time. How long did it take for you to to do that, to ask for some help? Look, it, it took a while. Um, and then when I did reach out for help, I probably didn't treat it seriously enough because there was a lot going on. I had to keep the farm business going. So really now in hindsight, looking back, I never paid you know, any respect to my own mental health or and my well-being and, and really didn't realise that, you know, the number one asset on that farm was actually me and mm, I on. wasn't taking, and I wasn't taking care of that, that number one asset, you know, without pumping my own tyres up. It was, yeah, I was the, the person and if I wasn't operating at 100% in a really stressful environment, there was no way known that everything mm. else was going to come together. So, 
when you decided, no, I need to do something about this, um, I can't handle this on my own anymore, what what did it feel like once that burden was shared? Oh, look, it was, it was like a liberating experience. Um, I talk about now about communication is key and, and it really is. We need to you know, communicate how we're feeling and, and how we're dealing with with the situations whatever challenge it is that that we're that we're facing whether it's our mental health our physical health our our business you know or the challenges that we're facing as farmers you know whether it's weather related or whether it's industry related you know we need to talk to the people around us with our support network with those that are closest to us share how how we're feeling and and when you do that it, it is actually you know a cathartic and and liberating experience to to feel that relief that you know you've got someone else that knows what's going on and someone else is in your corner yeah um what what do you have in your toolbox, I suppose, now, Warren, to keep keep yourself, you know, make sure you are looking after yourself and making your, your own health your number one priority? Because I imagine yeah, it's not just, oh, fixed, tick that and off we go. <laughs> and, it, and it definitely is. And for me, it's an ongoing process. Like this is, you know, we walked off our farm in, in 2004 and, and that process is still continuing today. And you know, I've got to keep myself in check and I've got a, a number of tools, one of them being something that I call the unbreakable wheel of well-being and it's, um, you know, about assessing your well-being domains in your life, whether it's, you know, your physical, your emotional, your your mental health, your financial health and, and I do an exercise where I, I kind of rate myself one to five on, on where I'm sitting at that time and see how balanced my wheel is and um and then you know that gives me a an idea of where you know the areas that i have to focus my energy on to make sure i'm I'm keeping things balanced but i have other little strategies like mindfulness strategies where you know i love taking sunset photos and and that's a, a good way of um dealing with my anxiety uh, or if i've had a, a bad day um you know being able to just focus on something that's outside my head Mm. Um, knowing that you know some of the stuff that the challenges I face are you know my internal conversations, which I know a lot of people um, deal with, and that just gives you that clear focus of you know there's other things in the world, and you just get outside your head for a little while while That's you're taking it, those it? photos. Be, yeah, pretty all-consuming as a as an industry and as a as a job. It's really not a job. Farming is it, Warren? It's because you. You don't shut the door on the office and go home. You know, you no, look out a, your window yeah. as you make a cup of tea and you see you see your work <laughs> out your window. Yeah. It's your twenty four seven, like and it, and it is an all consuming job and then um, because that's all consuming it can be all consuming you know with your with your health as well and mm-hmm. you know as you said it's not just your job it's it's you know your home and it's your your business it's your passion um to be a farmer I'm a great believer that you know you don't just do it for a job it's it has to, you have to have that passion so it's it's also your passion your dreams it's everything all tied up into one bundle so it's it's reasonably um, unique. You just can't walk away. You don't shut the door and and walk away. You know, at the end of the day, and say that day's done. It's kind of ongoing. You know, you're sitting in the office of a night time, or you know, or, or just pondering over the day that you've had. You know, it can um, get away with you, especially if you're not keeping your mental health in check. You can it can chew over and over and over, and and you know, those internal conversations can get the better of you sometimes. Warren Davies is who you're hearing from, known as the Unbreakable Farmer. He was a dairy farmer and um, went through his own mental health challenges and now is a guest speaker talking on mental health and resilience. A couple of text messages here, Warren, I wouldn't mind getting your feedback on. This one says, there's nothing better for mental health than a truckload of hay coming up the drive after a flood or a drought. And this one, without food, we all perish. The UK and USA provide financial incentives for farmers. I guess when we think about mental health, um, you know, there's two points there made about um, really practical and financial assistance. Um, wh- what do you think is is needed if we're going to turn these stats around? Look, it's. Um, I think it's going to be a it's a whole community approach, and you know, most rural communities rely on the farmers that surround those communities, and I think you know everyone 
one needs to arm themselves with some tools um, to either you know make sure they're looking after their own mental health but also that they're on the lookout for other people that that mental health might be declining um, that's one thing is having those tools in your toolbox to be able to deal with that um, you know practical things like especially after disasters uh, like I've found myself um, as a speaker working a, a fair bit in the disaster recovery space with bushfires floods and and whatever going on in around the country and and you know those practical things of of um, you know that hay load of hay um, coming up the driveway but you know just practical things like community get-togethers as well like I'm privileged enough to to go to a lot of communities where you know it's where the community gets together and particularly in the you know that disaster recovery or you know during a drought or whatever you know there's a lot of time where the neighbours even your neighbours might be only a k down the road you haven't seen them for a, a long time and to have those conversations and I think that's really important to you know I talk about shared wisdom a fair bit you know sharing your wisdom how you've got through something or who you've seen to be able to help you or um, I think they're really important conversations but there was an interesting point just in that second um, text message about um, you know the farmers supply you know we su they supply the food to the country and that's one of the things that come up in this well-being report was that one of the things that was impacting farmer mental health was um, um, feeling underappreciated um, by the general public for the role that they play in the community and that does you know does weigh heavily because like we were saying before you know it's not just a job it's your passion and it's um, and one of the reasons why why you do what you do is to to feed the country Great to get your insights, Warren. Thank you so much for kicking things nice. off this morning. Warren Davies is the unbreakable farmer as we delve deeper into what we can do off the back of those pretty concerning stats out last week in a farmer wellbeing survey, which found that 30% of farmers have attempted self-harm or suicide. Is there something that you've seen, an initiative, a program, or maybe even just a little a little nugget of gold that you think is worth sharing on this today? David Johinke is a grain and livestock farmer in the Wimmera, also the National Farmers Federation Vice President. Welcome, David. Uh, good morning, Bronwyn. Good morning, listeners. It's an issue close to your heart, isn't it? Uh, you, mental health is uh, something that I guess farming in agriculture uh, we, we face especially in uh, trying times and especially in when we see things like natural disasters come through and there wouldn't be too many people out there that hasn't felt angst or or um, despair at some stage in their farming careers it's uh, but it's having the tools in place like Warren was talking about and ensuring that we've got the ability and capability capacity individually to both um, put our hands up to say that we need some help and then secondly for those resources to be there when we do need them. This survey we've been talking about was commissioned by, by a dairy co-op but in partnership with the National Farmers Federation so you know, now that you've got this insight into you know the, the um, levels of anxiety and depression amongst the farming population what do you do with that David? Well, like everything in any any situation, you can't manage the, what, something that you can't measure. And intrinsically, um, I've seen it in our community and, and had a taste of it in some regards as well. The, the How do people overcome um, trials and tribulations? And by getting some baseline data, first of all, understanding where mental health is at across the rural sector, understanding then um, the different industries that is currently um, seeing some hotspots in and even just to understand the gender spread too has been something that we've never really um, had the opportunity to um, express in a survey and then take that data and go well how can we fill the gaps noting that at the top of the hour you mentioned that there's plenty of services out there, there's a lot of great work being done but there's also a lot of gaps that we're seeing when people aren't able to access those services, those resources, and especially once again when we have those natural disasters, there's industries that are acutely um, experiencing long-term either drought or um, rebuilding from those uh, natural disaster events to get back on their feet. And what can we do to help um, build that resilience in people that are, are, are pretty tough people, let's face it, in rural areas to, to do what they do? But mm. everyone's got a breaking point and how can we help them before they get to that stage? Aside from, you know, jumping in a vehicle and driving up the driveway of every farmer who might be having a, a tough time, you know, what, how, do you, how do you get the help 
to farmers who, you know, are either too busy or not comfortable coming forward or whatever reason they might have for, for holding off on seeking help like Warren said he did? Well, in Warren's case is, uh, I appreciate that Warren shares his story because by sharing your story, by letting people understand that um, there is a solution out there and the feelings and emotions that you feel are, are natural, but how we deal with them is really important. And breaking down that stigma is, is the first step across the board, both interpersonally, but then in a community. Because the one thing that I'm really frightened of, that people just see this as a number. This is a community, this is a family, this is a person that we need to make sure we're looking after. And to, to give them confidence to say, actually, hey, I need a bit of a tune-up in, in this area of my life. How can I, how can I get help when in those situations where a kilometre um, is actually a close neighbour in many areas, it, it can be multiple kilometres to, to, first of all, hit a neighbour that you get along with, let alone a, 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 a centre where they might have some resources like a doctor or a GP. And we're seeing waiting times for GPs being extended to the extent where people who do say, I need help, and then they need a referral to get either psychiatric help or uh, telehealth help, is um, the waiting list is too long. And so for us, it is about, first of all, breaking that, that down that stigma, having then multiple um, opportunities to access a resource, especially your GP, and then above and beyond that, um, the other uh, add-on services that you, that you may require. And having a coordinated approach, both at the state and national level, um, it's one thing. It's one thing to say there's plenty of opportunity out there, but there there is a different language that we use in agriculture. There is uh, a need for that interpersonal relationship with the person providing that service because it's very hard for you to open yourself up to strangers um, on an ongoing basis to work through your mental health issues. So you need that con continuity of support. But most of all, it is just the recognition that this is something that people can face and people can overcome as a, as a group, as a community together. And your point about um, the lack of, of professionals in regional areas is something, there's a text here on that too, David, says we need accessible, affordable and competent psychiatrists in regional Victoria. Where are they? So it sounds as though that's certainly something you've got on the top of the list um, as far as what the NFF lobbies for from here. Um, thank you so much for sharing your, your perspective, David. David Johinke is a grain and livestock farmer in the Wimmera and the National Farmers Federation Vice President. What ideas do you have on what could be really successful here in helping us change those stats, those stats that came out last week that found um, that there's widespread depression and anxiety amongst farmers and 30% of them have attempted self-harm or suicide? What possible ideas and solutions could you bring to the table today? This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. It's Bronwyn O'Shea here with you today, filling in for Rochelle Hunt on The Conversation Hour as we turn our attention to solutions to really make a difference on farmer mental health. Uh, I bet most of us know a farmer, and if we don't, we are still directly impacted because they feed us. They put the food on our table. So... As a collective this morning, what are we going to do to turn these stats around? Justin's called from Warwick Nabil. G'day, Justin. G'day. How are you? Good. What do you think? Got any great ideas for us? Oh, I sort of have a bit of an idea. I'm in Warwick Nabil in the Wimmera, so not too far from where David's uh, from, just down mm -hmm. the road. Yep. And we have a, an active farmers group fitness session that uh, gets run weekly. Um and what a great sorry, idea. But, but, yeah, so that's for... Well, I've sort of just run it for men particularly at the moment, and that was just to get farmers off tractors and sort of come together and just exercise a little bit, um, sort of get a bit of a sweat up, and then at the same time socialise a little bit. So there's a group of us, we probably six to nine, nine blokes get together of a Monday night and we exercise a bit for 30, 35 minutes and then we sit around for half an hour, an hour afterwards um, just talking and and uh, just talking about anything in general, really, farming, life, uh, whatever's going on. Justin, what difference have you seen that make? Oh, I think it's been great, particularly uh, for, for people, like I say, the isolation, all that sort of thing, um, obviously, but people that can just come to town, it's a bit of an outlet, bit of a stress release, 
Um, they know it's uh, it's coming up on a Monday night, and at the start of the week's always sort of good. Not that there's any sort of weekends for farmers at times, but um, so they just come in. They can they can talk. Know they've got that that outlet just to talk to their mates that they may not see that often because we sort of come from all different parts. They might travel 20, 30 k's. There's one gentleman that travels about 50 k's um, from east of Warwick Nabil and comes across and uh, has a has a chat and has um, gets a bit of a sweat up. So it so it's awesome in in that sense and and also following on from that, they also learn some habits where they might might park the ute down the other end of the paddock and just go for a bit of a walk down to the tractor rather than parking next to it. So any little thing that can help obviously benefits their mental and physical health. So that's um, just some little habits just to try and change and just try and uh, change one's mindset a little bit. Good on you, Justin. What a great thing to have set up in your community. Great to hear. Yeah, there's nearly 50 across the country and we actually had Warren come and uh, speak at a blokes night that I'd organised last year. So I got to meet Warren, which was great. Um, we had about, I think we had 20 or 30 blokes there, nearly 30 blokes last year, which was awesome. We just sat around a fire and had a chat and then Warren um, did a bit of a talk. So that was excellent. So it's just great to try and get people together, particularly farmers, and, and just show that appreciation for what they do do and that it is appreciated and uh, just to try and help them with their mental health because like those numbers you're just talking about there, it's, um, it is heartbreaking. So anything that a few people can do to try and help is uh, very much worthy. Love it that you've called in, Justin, with such a practical way to help. Thank you so much for what you're doing there, Justin, at Warwick Nabil. As we talk about ways that we can support farmer mental health off the back of that survey released last week that found one in three, or close to one in three, say they've attempted self-harm or suicide. Um, Kate's at Box Hill. Hi, Kate. Oh, hello. You cut out a little bit there. Um, what I was going to say was I'm in a company in the city, yeah. um, but I'm in a, a profession that has a high degree of mental health issues. And what our company has done is it has a contract with a counselling organisation and we can get five counselling sessions if we have an issue we can get five up to five counselling sessions for free like go for about an hour and I was just thinking I wonder whether the Victorian Farmers Federation or the National Farmers Federation would look into having that sort of support provided for their farmers I think you'd need to choose the counselling organisation pretty carefully because I do think that farmers well we all want to be heard by people who understand what we're talking about and farmers have quite specific needs and um, situations that they come across that the rest of us in the city or in small towns may not realize they're facing and sometimes i love the idea of the groups getting together that that last gentleman was talking Mm. about but sometimes people in the first instance may find it hard to open up in a big group and so sometimes having a one-on-one they can sit out in the paddock and and pat the dog or whatever and um and talk to somebody in their own time and space and just open up as they feel comfortable and then maybe they can go to a group and and feel like they can open up yeah kate great to hear from you and you make a good point about making the support available where and when it's needed for someone who may not be able to just leave the farm for a day to do a round trip to see a specialist or something like that. Thank you so much for calling in. Um, and I'd love to hear from you too. one 777 A couple of texts here. I like this from Mark at Mentone who says, everyone has a story that needs to be told and listened to. The person who's listening is as important is important to the person telling and bruce in geelong says please 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 can we move away from the narrative that says people need to go to a doctor for a referral for counseling there are many clinical psychotherapists who don't require referrals and charge the equivalent to the gap people are charged when they see a psychologist thank you for that 
And Caroline at East Malvern says, Bronwyn, the issue of farmers feeling underappreciated. Landline is a great program, but what we need is a commercial or stream series profiling the day-to-day lives of farmers around the country. Not about finding wives or fictionalised sensational drama, but a true reality show that builds the profile of farmers fosters greater understanding of their critical role in feeding us and propping up our economy, plus the real-life challenges they face. I hereby hand over copyright to the idea, (laughs) says Caroline. Very generous, and thank you. I love that. Um, You can keep the texts coming through on 0437 Alison Kennedy is at the National Centre for Pharma Health, which is a partnership between Western District Health Service and Deakin University. Hello, Alison. Good morning, Bronwyn. How are you? I'm well. I loved the suggestion um, that we had from the, the caller at, War- at Warwick Nabil, who said, you know, he runs this this group for farmers where they get active and they do some exercise and then they sit around and that's often when, when things come up and get discussed. How critical is that link between physical and mental health for farmers? Oh, look, it's it's very critical, Bronwyn. Um, you know, we know that there's really no separating physical health and mental health and they both feed into each other and also feed into that whole aspect of safety on farms as well and the risk of injury. Um, it's great to hear Justin uh, on the line. We've we've actually done some work with active farmers ourselves um, out at Warwick Nabil and, and a couple of the other groups as well. So it's a fantastic opportunity to tap into where farmers are already coming together to be able to to support them and build on those learnings. The research that you do at the centre and the programs that you run in response, what are they teaching you, Alison, about what works and how we actually get farmers connected with people that will help them through those tough times? Well, I think we have to always consider things from the farming perspective um so you know making sure that everything that we do is actually relevant and appropriate for farmers you know i I heard earlier somebody talking about an eap program um Mm. with um psychology services for example we're now working with a um, a telehealth psychology platform to train their psychologists so that they actually understand the risks and they understand the values and the culture um, of people that are living on the land um, so that when people do seek support, they know that they are talking to somebody who gets it, you know, who understands mm-hmm. where they're coming from and really helps to build that that rapport, which is really important. And that goes, I guess, across all of the resources and things that we develop. We always work with farmers um, to make sure that whatever we're developing is is appropriate. It's in the right language. It uses the right imagery. Um, you know, it's asking all the right questions and, and ticking all the right boxes that make it something that's accessible for them. I talked about the fact that, you know, if you Google farmer mental health programs like a huge amount comes up there are so many uh, projects and helplines and resources that exist what's the what's the gap like why do we still have such confronting statistics like what we're talking about today yeah, but when I think there's there's a lot of goodwill and a lot of passion out there when it comes to um, supporting mental health, uh, particularly in farming communities. But I think sometimes, you know, we've got pe- lots of people sort of working in silos and doing things independently of each other. And what we really need to be looking at is how can we better collaborate? Um, I know, you know, David was saying that earlier on a, a state and a Commonwealth level, you know, we really need to be focused much more on collaborating rather than confusing everybody with all of these different programs that might come and go. Uh, And we need to make sure that whatever we are um, communicating more broadly is is evidence-based. And and that's that's really important, I think. You know, we can have all the goodwill in the world, um, but if there's no evidence to show that something actually works and is is appropriate for this audience, um, you know, then we may may very much be kind of wasting time, wasting money and, and wasting farmers' resources as well. Just quickly, there's a text here that says, ask her about fireside chats. What are fireside chats, Alison? Oh, 
that that may well be our campfire program. Uh-huh. Um, so that was a, a program we've been working on over the last couple of years. Um, and it's been designed to prevent work-related risks to mental health. So it's very much coming from that primary prevention aspect, but focused much more on the practical aspect. So we don't necessarily talk a lot about mental health. Um, it's more about the practical things that we can put in place that we know actually contribute to the risk of mental health. So that's, you know, we have conversations about um, how to manage times of disaster, how to make better decisions, how to communicate and work effectively within a, a, a family business. Um, you know, what do sort of safety protocols on a farm look like? And we know all of these things inadvertently contribute, um, whether directly or indirectly, to, to mental health. So that's kind of the, the real prevention approach we're taking in from that perspective. Um, and we've developed what we found the best way of, of communicating with people about this is through a podcast platform. Um, and we, there's now 20 um, podcasts up on that platform on a whole range of different topics, right through from kind of working dogs to uh, bushfire preparation and everything in between. As much as I'd like to say, listen to ABC Radio in the tractor or <laughs> in your farm ute, I, I can see the value because, you know, you're sitting there and it's a, such a, a perfect time to be listening to something as you work. It's a really smart idea. Um, Alison, one thing I'd be interested to get your perspective on is the way that farming the community of farming has changed over the years. You know, once upon a time we had smaller, small to medium-sized farms and, you know, lots of people in the community who were connected, their families had been farmers together and now they were and their kids too and it it felt far more close-knit, I would suspect. Now we're seeing shrinking rural communities. Farms are getting bigger. There are fewer people around. I wonder, does that play a part um, in, in what we're seeing now? Without a doubt, and and I think both, you know, Justin, when he spoke about active farmers and people travelling distances to come together and and David earlier was talking about, you know, the distances between farms now, it just does mean that, you know, there is less people connection. And I think that whole social connection aspect we know has a really strong bearing on on mental health, Uh, you know, and that might be with uh, you know your neighbours, but it also could be with a, a trusted advisor or a consultant that you you know you come you come across and have a good chat with um, over a farming issue. So we know lots of different aspects contribute to mental health, but that social connection, that ability to have a conversation and have some time away from the farm, is incredibly important part of that. Thank you so much for your time, Alison Kennedy, National Centre for Farmer Health, which is a partnership between the Western District Health Service and Deakin University. And on that very subject, actually, there's a text from Julie that says, I grew up in an isolated country area. Back then, there were still churches, community halls, tennis courts. My father admitted he wasn't particularly religious, but we as a family attended church every Sunday. And after the service, the locals hung for up to an hour afterwards. The men, back then mainly the farmer, always congregated together talking about all a great mental health day for everyone. As we've lost the old community activities in rural areas, says Julie, there um, are few chances to debrief and grumble, etc. Community relationships are essential for good health. Um, thank you for that text, Julie. Love to hear from you as well. Uh, Bronwyn O'Shea here filling in for Rochelle Hunt on the Conversation Hour as we brainstorm ways that we might change things and to really turn the corner on farmer mental health off the back of a report last week that found 30% of farmers said they've attempted self-harm or suicide. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. And there was a text earlier that said, you know, where are the, the psychiatrists in regional communities? It's something we'll be able to talk to a little further in just a moment when we speak to a, a clinical psychologist and a former president of the Australian Psychological Society. But let's head to Hawthorne East. Hello, Penny. Hello. What's your idea? What can we do to turn things around? I, I'm, I'm as a city slicker. <laughs> and somebody okay. who has a background in uh, being a Jillaroo, I'm proposing that there could be a system where the city slickers could come up for a weekend or 
a, a workshop or a day and we help out on the farm and we do a barbecue and we support the farmers. I, I was picking up particularly about the word isolation. Mm. So, um, and I think also I've had my own mental health issues. So, I could be supportive of people that are experiencing their own um, mental health issues on the land. How are we going to make that happen, Penny? How do you think it'll work? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> I think the farmers themselves might have to uh, set it up a little bit and have blocks of weekends or something. And maybe on their properties, they might have an out shed or somewhere where people could come and stay and bring their swags and um, and then be rostered on for a weekend and just put it out there on a Facebook page. Love it, Penny. Although part of me goes, you know when you get work experience people in your workplace and it actually creates more work for you? Yes. <laughs> I'm thinking, yes. oh, every farmer listening is going to be rolling their eyes saying, oh, helper from the city. Oh, no, look out. That's going to be more of a headache than a help. <laughs> You'd have to get it right, wouldn't you? You'd have to get it you, right. You would, and you'd have to have someone driving it and organising it. Yeah. True. Love it, Penny. Thank you, though. There's no there's no idea that's not considered here this morning on the Conversation Hour. Tamara Cavanagh is a clinical psychologist and a former president of the Australian Psychological Society. Hi, Tamara. Thanks for having me. Lots of people have said, where are the, the people to go to? Where are the services? Where are the clinicians in regional Victoria? That would be a great starting point. What do you, what do you have to say to that? So it certainly would be. One of the biggest issues we've got is many of the strategies that are put in physical health, so that support nursing or general practice um, to be in rural and remote locations, they're, they're not there for mental health. So, you know, psychologists don't have any rural incentives. We don't have training programs in rural locations. We don't have um, the hex relief. We don't have, um, even within our public services, the incentives to work within rural locations that are often there. So what we're missing is considering mental health the way that we consider physical and looking at our funding structures. Why is that not the case? That seems like a no-brainer. <laughs> it, look, it completely baffles me because, you know, if, if that psychologist wasn't providing services in those locations then, you know, you wouldn't, as a government, be making that payment. So it would, you would only be making a payment when and if you're getting a service in a particular area. Um, the other part is we also know it costs more to travel out to a location. So the recent changes um, that have happened with telehealth, if they were complemented by similar um, incentives around providing services in rural locations, you could actually use both to get a much more wraparound and higher quality service into rural locations in a way that we've never done before by putting those two investments together. I know there's a few people have spoken about the power of um, groups and, and community get-togethers where people are, feel comfortable and they're with people they trust and then, you know, you can bring in someone, an expert or a professional or something into that setting rather than expecting, you know, bring bring the mountain to Muhammad kind of approach. Tamara, how, how could we better utilise the places that, that farmers are already going to and, and where they already are socialising? So, look, we absolutely could. So, you know, if we had any type of incentive that allowed you to go to a rural location, you'd come out on a regular basis, you would work with that community, you would get them to know you face-to-face, -face, and then you might even provide some of your other services by telehealth. That would essentially mean that they're getting the best of both worlds, they're getting a full and complete um, service with the regularity that they need, but they're also getting to meet the person, getting to know them and see them in person as part of their community where they can. Those are the kind of structures that would better support rural health um, than what we currently have. Tamara, thank you. Um, Tamara Cavanet is a clinical psychologist, former president of the Australian Psychological Society. A couple more texts coming through on this issue of how we better support farmer mental health. Um, we had a, a lovely caller who suggested could 
people from the city with good intentions come out and help and socialise on farms and, you know, show the love but also be of practical support. Um, this text says, let's have visitors on the farm for the weekend. Sounds like more work, more trouble and more stress. However well-intentioned, says that text. And another, do you know how much extra work that would make? Um, this from Debbie Yarraville says, I also grew up on a farm and I miss farm life enormously. I would love to be of physical and emotional support to a farming family or individuals. I'm a practising counsellor, but I'd also love to spend regular time doing physical work in the country. Um, Deb, thank you very much. And this from Simon at Blackrock, no community or social organisations in the country because we're all burnt out and we're worked to the bone with high property prices. The system has been designed to extract every drop of blood out of us and we wonder why we're all broken. It's been designed into the system. The current situation has been predictable for the last 20 to 25 years. You can text 0437 774 774 or give us a bell on 1300 222 774. Alastair Gabb is a fifth generation Skipton farmer who joins you now. Hi Al. Good morning Brumman, how are you? Good, you've been really open about the fact that you, you know, you are one of those one in three farmers who attempted self-harm or suicide. What was going on in your life at that time? Uh, that's a fairly complex question, but long story short, um, I'd spent my 20s living a life of gypsy, travelling around the world, having a good time working in the ski industry. Um, I came home to farm in my early 30s at Skipton, and unbeknownst to me, I hadn't addressed issues that had stemmed from my childhood, from my schooling, um, I was going through a marriage, not a marriage breakdown, a, a relationship breakdown at the, at the time. I'd had some complexities with taking on the farm that was a little bit unforeseen. And yeah, it led me to quite a, an appalling state of mind. Um, uh, multiple suicide attempts. Um, and, but I got through. So here I am today talking to you, but yeah. I have been very vocal about it, as, as you mentioned. And it's a good time probably for me to mention that there's those terrific 24-7 support services there, Lifeline, Telephone Crisis Line on 13 11 14 and Beyond Blue on 1300 Um But you did get help, Alastair. How did, how did that happen? What helped you through, through that? So I was uh, quite fortunate. Um, I had a great family and good cohort of friends and extended family that had banded around me um uh, my partner at the time she did an amazing job considering she had no tools to work with um but also did recognize in myself that i needed help so the the the, the drive from within myself was there to help myself even though at times it got too much um and i was also fortunate enough that I could seek some private practice help as well outside of the the um, state system in, in Victoria here. And that required you travelling a really long way to see that person, didn't it? Well, at times I was travelling to Melbourne, so I was travelling all the way to Chapel Street in Melbourne to see a bloke down there, um, and he, he was great. Um, and then also from Skipton to Ballarat, which is about a 45-minute drive for myself. So in the scheme of things... Compared to some people, I'm not very isolated, but compared to others, absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's time off the farm, isn't it? If you've got to drive to Melbourne to get the, the, the very best help that you need, that's um that that's a big chunk of your day gone. Absolutely, and as Warren said earlier in the program, you are the, the business at that point in time. I was mm. by myself on the farm at that stage. I, I, my brother's now there now, but... Um, Yes, I was by myself, so that it did compound many other things as well, trying to run a business. Alastair, you were an expert witness at the, the Victorian Royal Commission into Mental Health Services. You talked about the high financial cost of getting help. Um, have you tallied up how much it would have cost you over the years? Uh, broadly speaking, I don't know. So I'll, I'll probably giving between 30 and 40 grand a nudge, I reckon, out of my own pocket. So, um, and that's that's pretty extraordinary. Most people, or well, a lot of people, don't have that 
ability. And I'm very mm-hmm. fortunate that I have had that ability to help me through that. Um, so it has been very costly, but I suppose the hidden costs in agriculture are what you're not getting done as well, because we all know the stresses and the demands of running a farming enterprise are quite enormous. Um, so they're hidden costs there that actually you don't see go out of your bank account. Hmm. We've had some really great insights along the way uh, through this conversation today about what could make a real difference to the extent of depression and anxiety amongst farmers. What do you think, as someone who's been right there in the darkest of times, what do you think is going to make a difference? Oh, it's such a huge question because, like, if you look at the farming community around Australia, we are such an eclectic mix of people and... What works for me might not work for the next person. And there's so many great initiatives out there. Alison mentioned a couple when you were talking to Alison. You know, Warren does what he does amongst us. There's other people out there doing what Warren does as well. And, you know, governments are trying as well. And it's, it's this, it's, I, I, I really struggle to answer that because we are such a diverse bunch of people. Mm. Um, accessibility is, I would suggest, probably one of the keystones to it. Um, and it, from my point of view, it might not be accessibility to high-end um, psychology, but accessibility to even just baseline counselling services that get people in the door and talking. Um, and then those, those services then can refer up the chain if need be. You've getting left... people in the door is a tough one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've left the farm now uh, to study to become a counsellor. Yeah, so this has just happened in the last month or two. It's been a few years in the making, in my decision-making process, but I have left my family farm and left it in good hands with my brother. But I have only just enrolled in a diploma in counselling um, last week, so it's quite new to me. I haven't even opened the first book. <laughs> yes, but I've got a little way to go before I can deem myself a counsellor or qualified to do so, but I'm very excited. Is it because of what you've been through? Like, are you intending to, to, you know, become a counsellor and go out and help farmers like yourself? Absolutely. Um, I would not have even thought 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that I would end up pursuing a career in the mental health side of industry and I am particularly passionate about rural and farming communities and the, the mental health um, state of them. And I, yeah, the, my intentions are to um, definitely focus in that field, obviously once I've got my training and all the background. Well, we wish you all the best and, and thank you so much for being so honest and upfront with your own story, Alastair. Lovely to have you part of the chat today. Thank you, Roman. Alastair Gabb was a fifth-generation farmer at Skipton and sharing his perspective, now walked away from his farm and is um, going to retrain as a counsellor. Mandy Hutchinson is CEO at the Northern District Community Health Service in Kerrang. Hi, Mandy. Hi, how are you, Bronwyn? Good. I remember a while ago talking about a program that gave hairdressers, stick with me with this one, (laughs) gave hairdressers Mm. training and skills around um, looking for signs of domestic violence because they knew that hairdressers were someone who, you know, had developed relationships with clients and, you know, had lots of great conversations with their clients and that they could play a pivotal role in, in addressing domestic violence. I wonder, are we equipping with people who are at the front line of ag services to have mental health first aid training and, and be aware and supportive when they see someone struggling? Uh, great, great um, thinking, Bronwyn. We we were involved in that um, many years ago as well and we actually ran a program after the, the last drought called Tactics for Tough Times where we worked with local businesses, vets, ag supplies um, and ran a, like a half hour, hour sausage sizzle and conversation around the importance of um, supporting farmers. Um, and uh, we used the Five Ways to Wellbeing, which is a, a great evidence-based 
health um, promotion resilience building kind of program um, and it was amazing um, the sort of response we got um, so we designed it here um, and we ran it out across Baloke, Lawton and Ganilwara Shires um, with the support of our local government areas um, and we'd love to be delivering something like that again and it's exactly that same sort of message um, as with hairdressers and in fact we invited hairdressers to this as well because you know farmers um, get their hair cuts. They certainly <laughs> they do. do. <laughs> um, and um, you know we've found that this is a really great great way of building capacity and strengthening people so that they didn't feel um, too traumatised by some of the conversations they were having, which is what was happening, um, and that they they were equipped to sort of be able to respond uh, quickly um, and, and get people into the sort of supports um, they needed or at least had a bit of a list of, you know, where they could get some support. So um, it was a really good little program. We'd love to run it again. And I think our local governments are trying to get some funding to, to get us to ramp it up again um, mm. after the last flood. So, um, yes, those sorts of services are really, really important. And also the ones Alistair has been talking about, you know, making sure that there's place-based um you know, support for people so that they don't have to travel too far. Um, and, um, you know, after the sort of few years we've had with, you know, the compounding trauma of um, floods and drought and COVID and, um, you know, whatever else that we've been thrown in, um, you know, I think it's really important that we do have some local supports for people that are trauma-informed and experts in being able to support people before, during and after events like this. Mm. And Mandy, aside from the professional services and the programs, one thing that's come through really in this last hour is that that just reminder that we need to appreciate and tell farmers that we appreciate them um, and, and not make them feel like a burden. And that's probably something I didn't expect to necessarily hear in this chat. I, I wonder, you know, thinking about the role community can play and not just regional community, but, but broadly, you know, people in the city too, what do you think could make a big difference in that respect? Yeah, that's a great, great, great part of the conversation you've had today. I think farmers are incredibly important to our economy, but also to our rural communities. You know, they're the backbone of our communities. We we did some great videos with some um, local farmers um, after the floods and, you know, the next generation as well. Uh, like, you know, this is the big celebration for us, I think, is that during this last flood um, in our rural community in Kerrang and around, um, the, our young people, uh, our young farmers were the ones who really stood up um, and provided the, the backbone support we needed. Um, they were amazing, you know, they built levees um, with their tractors, they um, they sandbagged all over the place um, and, you know, they were, you know, I hope that they feel the celebration and the thanks that the community have for them because without them um, we would have really suffered so much more. Um, so, yes, I think um, there are, we, we've got to continue celebrating uh, our farmers and I know, um, you know, we need to sort of be doing that all the time. We, we do lots of, you know, health and safety sort of programs like AgriSafe, um, and I think you had um, the National Centre for Farmers Health on this morning mm. as well. Um, and we do those sorts of programs that look after the wellbeing of farmers. But I agree, um, farmers are feeling um, after so much has happened over the last, um, you know, decade or so, uh, perhaps not feeling as, um, as celebrated and as, um, recognised as they should be and we certainly need that to shift. Mandy, great to have you uh, rounding off our conversation this morning. Thank you. Mandy Hutchinson, who's the CEO at the Northern District Community Health Service at Kerrang. Thank you so much for all your texts and calls across the hour as well. Take care.